0: Welcome to Meet an African Pastor podcast. My name is Anthony Seitzma, and in this podcast, I interview different African pastors so that people around the world can hear about what their lives are like and pray for them. And most importantly, this gives all of us an opportunity to learn from the African church. Thank you for listening. Welcome, Bishop Julius. It's good to be with you. Thank you for coming on this podcast. I'm looking forward to learning more about your ministry, learning more about uh, the church in Kenya. Can you share with us your full names and tell us where you come from and tell us about your family?
1: My name is Bishop Julius Wanyoike. I come from the Anglican Diocese of Thika in Kenya. I am a father of three girls, and I have one son-in-law to my first daughter. Mm. My wife and I serve together, and we give glory to God for the opportunity to serve as bishop in the Anglican Diocese of Thika.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you. Great. Um, tell us a little bit about the Anglican Church of Kenya for those who don't know anything about it. The
1: Anglican Church of Kenya was started by a German, uh, a missionary, in the 1884. Uh, uh, and thereafter, the missionaries from the CMS had joined in, and the Anglican Church had started. The Anglican Church now is over 150 years. Mm. Uh, it became a province in 1970, in which case we had our own Archbishop. Initially, we used to be the Anglican Church of Eastern Equatorial, okay. which covered uh, Uganda. Kenya and Tanzania, mm. but from the nineteen seventy, that is when we became a province, we had our bishops consecrated in the 60s, and we can look back and say we have grown as an Anglican diocese in Kenya. Mm.
0: Yeah, But how large is the Anglican Church of Kenya as far as, I don't know, maybe the number of churches or the number of dioceses or maybe the number of people? I don't Know if you have any of that information, but
1: the the numbers frequent in terms of the population in our churches. As far as dioceses are concerned, we are over forty bishops, Mm. uh, both serving as diocesan and in other capacities like assistant Mm -hmm. uh, bishop. We have one in the Austin Cathedral uh, diocese, and we have another one uh, who was consecrated for another diocese, but now he's not serving in that particular area. I may not be able to say what is the size of the population at the moment, mm-hmm. but uh, we give glory to God for the numbers. In, in, as far as the Cardinals is concerned, we take our records every Sunday, those who come into our churches, we have a size population between uh, 29,000 to 32,000 uh, members in our churches, mm. including children and
0: adults. Is your diocese more urban or rural?
1: The Anglican Thika is both urban and rural. It is actually not far from the capital city of Nairobi. We are about 45 kilometers. And we have peri-urban areas, the urban migration that is happening. And we do not have so much of rural urban migration, but it's actually the expansion of Nairobi city. Mm. Because Thika is considered as a metropolis of uh, Nairobi city in one part. Mm. We cover uh, more than uh, seven uh, sub-counties, in which case we have uh, some patches of Maragua, uh, Kandara, uh, Gatanga, uh, Thika, Gatondo North, Gatondo South, uh, Juja, and Mm. Roiro, with a population of uh, 600,000 people.
0: Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. Um, Could you tell us more about your testimony so we can get to know who you are? as Julius. I
1: thank God that uh, he called me when I was young. Mm. I sensed that I need to serve him at the age of 22. Uh, Earlier on, as a primary school kid, I did my catechism class. And after the catechism in class, I was uh, baptized by a renowned uh, preacher in our area called uh, Elisha. He's now late. I was thereafter confirmed by uh, the late Archbishop Sosipita Magua in uh, 1980. My primary school started in Kehurine, and thereafter I went to Muranga High School. And it is during my time in Muranga High School that I sensed, a way in which I needed to give my life to Christ. Mm. The ones in Mark chapter 8 and verse 36 and 37, what can a man gain if he got the whole world and uh, he has lost his soul? That pricked my heart. Mm. That as far as I was looking for education, as far as I thought I could be a lawyer and represent our communities, I had not thought how keen it should have been about my very soul. I looked into the worldly treasures, but at that juncture and this was this came from a testimony of a young Form one student when I was in secondary school. Then I looked at him, he was a tiny little boy, but there he was confessing what Christ has done in his life, and as he quoted this mark uh, gospel passage, my journey to desire to give my life to Christ, uh, began when I was informed to. In this case, I would read the scriptures, but it was only after I had left the secondary school that I had a personal commitment to Christ. Although I led a religious life and with commitments which I lived to not to break uh, during that time. And on the 1st of January 1987, I surrendered my life and said, Lord Jesus, come and take my life. Mm. And thereafter, I sensed uh, a calling to serve him. And it wasn't easy because even after having passed my O-levels exams and I had admission to A-levels, which I wasn't able to pick up because of the challenges within the family. I committed that, even having passed that all level and without not taking A levels studies, I will still give my life and serve him. And it was on the February first, nineteen eighty eight, that I joined the full time ministry as a catechist. Mm-hmm without any having any training except my Bible and my prayer book and my Bible. Those were my tools that I started with in 1988.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you get more uh, theological education after that?
1: I stayed as a catechist for three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and surprising enough, it was not in my local area uh, because in my local parish, their desire to have a catechist. It was I and Joseph who was my friend, and I felt I didn't want to disadvantage Joseph, who perhaps had a better grasp of what it meant to serve. And so Joseph became a catechist earlier before me, and Joseph, an archdeacon, we schooled together. He has since then gotten his Ph.D., in religious uh, studies from the Kenyatta University, and I envy him. Mm. Uh, for me, I left my hometown, went to live in a far land where I have never been. But I thank God; it later became the place where I found the love of my life, Esther, whom we've been mm. married from 1994 to date. Mm. Cool. And so, I served as a catechist who was not trained. Mm. And it was a case of just visiting Christians within the parish, having to learn to teach catechism and understanding the Bible at the same time, and visiting the sick, being involved in preaching, Mm -hmm. being involved in leading services. And the youth movement in our time was such a cornerstone of our life of faith as young men and women at the end. When I recall back the kind of open air meetings, the overnight prayer meetings, the weekend challenge, and opportunities for drama and music, these actually grounded my faith and also affirmed my calling in ministry as a young catechist. Mm -hmm. I trained after three years for a diploma in theology through St Paul's College, Mm. and I thank God that. I had the opportunity to train. And when I look back in terms of my training, even as I was interviewed for training, it was never that I am going to be trained to become a clergy on my part. Mm. My desire for training was to just learn about the scriptures, learn about the biblical history, learn about what it would entail for me to be a better uh, catechist, ordination, came as an an added value to to my life. And now being Mm -hmm. bishop, this is overwhelming in the sense, I felt called as an evangelist, and even now I try my best to live as an evangelist. Mm -hmm. I'm involved in open air meetings, and that is not the the bread and butter, perhaps of those who may be like in my office, but it traces me back to where I started. Mm I got saved, failed, just be a preacher man, and here I am. And I thank God for that.
0: Yeah, thank you very much. Now, you, you mentioned a little bit just now about some of the things you do as a bishop. Now, some of the people that will be listening to this maybe are in churches where they don't have bishops. For example, in the Christian Reformed Church where I come from, we don't have bishops. So tell us a bit, what is the role of a bishop in the ACK? And then, what does your your daily daily life look like? What does your week look like? What do you do as a bishop?
1: Uh, Thank you, Antony. It is very fascinating that uh, perhaps a majority of people reflect on the work of a man of God or a woman of God who is in the preaching ministry is just preaching. And it's a case of prayer, reading the Bible, and waking up and going to preach or leading services. I also at one time thought that is the same case, mm. but uh, perhaps allow me to just a little back share on my life as a clergy, mm. because this will put in perspective now what I do. Yeah. Uh, why I say so, because in retrospect, as I start my 10th year as bishop, if... As a clergy, you have no clue of what you are called and what is expected of you. You won't get overnight liberation of what it means to be bishop. Mm. And I lay the basis of my life as a bishop in the life of a clergyman and to a greater extent as an evangelist. Mm. The broad definition of a bishop would come to a leader in mission as an administrator of his or her diocese as the case may be where we have women bishops and uh, one becomes the link between his or her diocese and the wider communion It it also entails representing the diocese in civic responsibilities. Mm. And our little uh, letter come to that. As a clergyman, you are involved in visiting, you are involved in administration of the parish, you are involved in reflecting on how the care of the community under uh, your pastorate is concerned. The preaching that happens every Sunday, the baptism, the celebration of marriages uh, and sundry Preparing the dead even for their death and even carrying out their burial services. This expands more when you become bishop. I make fun to my team of clergy and lay readers and I tell them, the clergy is far above the lay reader in the sense he or she can baptize, can administer sacraments, and can take care of a parish the extent of a bishop from being a priest is that you now get the authority to invite a synod that is a supreme body within the anglican church you are able to transfer clergy you are able to ordain a clergy or make deacons you are able to represent the diocese at a greater level And uh, this is my simplest way of looking at the distinction. There are those who look at power. I don't look at the office of a bishop from that perspective. I look at this office as a means of service and ministry, in which case you become a facilitator to the people of God. You provide leadership to the clergy under your care. You oversee resource mobilization and utilization. And basically ensuring that the people of God within your diocese are served in the best way as the Lord will be revealing to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, my day begins early in the morning. I may have meetings. Mm-hmm. Meetings which may relate to my clergy. It may relate to governance organs. It may relate to meeting senior leaders in uh, the counties where our diocese covers either Kiambu or Muranga. It may involve attending meetings where the Archbishop has called us. Mm. And uh, so there are very many meetings mm. which shape how churches are actually uh, ran or they look like. There are also occasions of celebration. Mm. Uh, a day I wake up, I'm heading for a celebration, meet, visiting a community. At the moment, I am involved in mapping areas for church planting. Mm. Last Sunday, we planted a church. Uh, This month, we are planting another church because of the migration that is happening within the diocese. And so, my work is not being in the office. Mm. I literally tell my clergy, I wouldn't want to spend more time in the office because I don't want to become like a job mm. that the children were doing this and this, then a bear came and they all died. Mm. I want to be where the people are, mm. even as I take uh, some hours to be in the office to look at the paperwork uh, in terms of uh, safeguarding, in terms of policies, in terms of adherence to the constitution. And even uh, looking into discipline issues because yeah. these do often come mm. uh, where you have two or three are gathered even as Christ in the need is then yeah. you have a possible offender.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um, with, don't uh, be careful. You know, Don't tell me any specifics but um, are you able to share what are some of the types of situations that the church discipline yeah. would come in? Like what kinds of church discipline cases are coming to you? What are, what, what are are these priests that are getting involved in different things or church members?
1: Well, are, the constitution is very clear on what a priest can be tried for. Mm. But more often than not, uh, we have an acceptable behavior. Mm. It could be a relationship between uh, clergy and a member of the opposite sex. Mm. It could be in terms of we we advocate against taking alcohol. Mm. It could be uh, a decision that needed not to have been taken in the manner that it has been taken, and you'd want it to reverse because there is a prayer on an outcry, mm. and so the discipline doesn't has, have to be legal. Mm. It could be a pastoral approach to a human situation, mm-hmm. and in which case you are able to bring one back to the fold mm. or perhaps rebrand uh, one for the position he or she has taken mm. because it could have been looked at otherwise. Mm. Uh, so those are the kind of uh, situations at times that uh, come up. Uh, it could be maybe a family disagreement uh, mm. which perhaps one member of the family may feel my husband or my wife has not been fair to me uh, those are kind of situations at times that, as a chief shepherd in the diocese, you'll be called upon to look into and arbitrate. Mm-hmm. It could be a relationship between a staff and another one. Maybe perhaps the way duties are allocated, or maybe mm-hmm. supervision is carried out, or perhaps maybe how one would feel I should have been looked after. So, those are kind of the situations that are bound to. Emerge,
0: and then as
1: bishop, then you've got to listen so that you are able to have peace between your staff team and the members who are served by the clergy who are under your care.
0: So you're doing a lot of work as a mediator with people in conflict.
1: Indeed, it is like conflict resolution, Mm -hmm. and uh, this may not only be between staff, even out there in the society. And uh, you find yourself being called into to just give an ear mm. uh, or give an opinion to a situation. Okay.
0: Yeah. Then another area that, of your ministry that I think is very interesting is your relationship with the government. You said something about meeting with Correct. community leaders or government leaders. Tell us more. What does that involve? What are you, what are you doing there? As bishop, then
1: you are called to look into the needs of the people within your diocese. And it behoves one in the office I hold to link up with the government agencies in light of what may be required. Uh, It could be a case of looking into a growth and development of an area. And perhaps the community may feel delayed in terms of the kind of services that they may require, maybe a road, the provision of water and electricity, uh, perhaps even the way the administration is uh, looking into the needs of the people. Uh, And so it is not uh, uncommon for me to reach out to a governor and share my thoughts on a particular area, reaching out to a member of parliament reaching out to a sub-county officer or a county uh, officio, in to particular needs that touches the people. At the same time, the government also reaches to us in Mm. terms of what do you reckon that we desire to do could actually be rolled out? Mm. So it is not a case of quarrying, it's a case of consultation Mm. and reflecting together and uh, I also participate in the interreligious uh, forum or interreligious council, where uh, bishops from different uh, denominations, uh, people in leadership from different faiths, we gather and over council. Like in the recent uh, situation of the president, the outcome of the presidential elections, I was part of a team that was involved in reflecting over how the Kenyan population should actually pick up the decision of the Electoral Commission. And a part of the team in the Inter-Religious Council was involved in the mediation. There were teams that were reaching out to the president-elect, to the leader who didn't uh, succeed according to the IABC, Uh, the president, uh, who is now looking to vacate the office on the 13th, part of the commissioners who are involved in the electoral uh, decision. And so it's a case of mediation and listening. Mm. Uh, And so the involvement of a bishop in civic responsibilities is wide. Mm. Uh, It can begin from the village up to the national level, both to elected leaders or civil servants. I am also involved in uh, mobilizing pastors and our church members and also government of issues to caring in regard to the performance of secondary school uh, education. Mm. And so that enables me to reach out to police officers in our area and ensure that where there are cases of malpractices as far as a community is concerned, could be drugs, we are able to cite out and say, okay, this is not uh, failing well. Uh, if there are cases where we reckon some members of the community need uh, to be warned, then you, you are able to do so because you have to stand both for the law and for the Lord. Mm. Yeah.
0: Uh, I, I've seen that there's a lot of respect shown to church leaders like bishops um, by even those who are not in the church. Um, it's just they, they recognize the role as an important role and show respect. Um, as another part of your, your task as bishop, do you also teach your leaders? Is there a teaching of the Bible or theology, or is that mostly done by... Uh, the Bible schools.
1: Okay, uh, thank you, Anthony. Let me look into the two situations that you have cited in the case of respect and the case of, uh, uh, pardon me, the, the case teaching. of respect and teaching. Yeah. As far as respect is concerned, I think the Anglican church across the globe uh, maybe inherited the term Lord, Bishop from the Church of England, Mm. where some of the bishops are members of the House of Lords. Unfortunately, then the title came out into the mission field, and so you would hear a bishop being addressed as a Lord Bishop. This is uncommon in uh, North America, or even uh, in areas where the, the term of the bishop, which is purely Episcopal, Is actually looked into. I thank God for the way in which our communities look at the office of the bishop, not just respect but honor Mm. because of the God who is represented by the man of God. And maybe coming to the African communities and cultures, we had the place of the healer, the Mm -hmm. place of the seer, And so, this intertwined Mm. within the African sociocultural understanding, uh, the place of the medicine man, the place of the seer, the place of an elder. And so, I think this is one way of looking at it. Mm. As far as teaching is concerned, this is one of the basic responsibilities of a church leader. Uh, taking it from the Great Commission, go ye into all the world and make disciples, teaching them. Teaching is a major area of our ministry. And no wonder the church has laid emphasis on teaching the word of God. Mm. And the training of ministers is to appreciate the value of the word of God within the community of believers. Mm. And so I am involved in preaching ministry and teaching ministry at the same time. The teaching of the Word of God within the diocese happens in various forms. It happens to those who are attending catechism classes. Mm-hmm. The teaching, not just about the church, but the scriptures and their significance. It also happens every Sunday on a pulpit, the scripture is read and expounded and various that can shape the morality of a community and their faith are expounded from the passages of Scripture. We use the Bible in teaching leaders and emphasis on the biblical ethics of a leader, uh, whoever is in the community. The teaching also happens. We have the cell groups, in which case our members meet. So the teaching of the Word of God also happens. There, the meetings that we hold. Every meeting will be uh, preceded by a devotion. It's God first, and so there is a greater emphasis on the teaching. But there is also a level in which, uh, perhaps, it is given preeminence like in the Anglican Daphs of Fika, we have started what is called a pre-church ministry course. Mm-hmm. And uh, part of the teaching is teaching a basic introduction to the Old Testament and the New Testament. Those who become lay leaders are also taught on the Word of God and the place of their ministry in the perspective of the, of the scripture, perspective of the scripture. We also have what we call theological education by extension, mm-hmm. in which case uh, a group of men and women take a book of the Bible and begin reading it. And we have a series which is now over fifteen books within the TE. Which becomes a platform in which uh, you do not have to become a lay reader, a catechist, or a priest, but as an ordinary member within the Anglican diocese of Thika, you can learn the scripture. So these are the variety of ways in which we are able to
0: use the passage of scripture. Yeah. yeah thank you so much for sharing about the teaching ministry of the church. Uh, Let's look more at the the bigger picture of what's going on today with the Church. What are some of the challenges that are coming against the Church today? What are the the challenges that the Anglican Church of Kenya is facing, or your diocese in particular, and how are you responding to them? Uh, Thank you. Uh,
1: One of the challenges that I find having to contend with in the diocese is the migration that is happening within the diocese. Uh, There is a growing demand for more churches uh, and therefore a call to preparing places where those who are migrating because we have an unoccupied space in which case new buildings are coming up and ownership of land is exchanging. And so the population is growing out of transfer and so there is a need for us to have more church plants. Mm. The other challenge that I have deflected upon is the performance of the secondary education within the sponsored institutions. And uh, basically trying to start a community to take responsibility over the responsibility of their sons and daughters who are there in school mm. and motivating uh, students to not to give up. Uh, we have, our diocese may be divided into two, where is urban, urban, and rural, urban, and rural. Mm. Maybe that's the third tier. For those in the cold areas, the T-Zone, the uptake of education is not very good. Mm. And so I find having to contend with encouraging the church members and the pastors and the government officials to encourage them to really reflect on what it means as far as education is concerned. So that's another challenge. Mm. We have the usual challenge of uh, drug and alcoholism. Mm. And so, like every society which is dynamic, we have a lot of alcohol and therefore the need for us to continue speaking to our people that uh, alcoholism is dangerous both for their health Mm. And our morals do not come out best when people take uh, alcohol. So there is also the challenge of unemployment. We've got uh, many who leave schools and uh, maybe they may have even gone to college or university. Unemployment is a critical challenge uh, within the diocese. Mm -hmm. We also have other faiths and denominations. The way we would preach and use the scripture, and just like it has happened in North America, the prosperity gospel mm-hmm. has been preached, so the adherence to the scripture. And I do not want to say the old, old way of scripture alone, I have admiration of reason and other traditions which are picked up, but uh, the presence of other denominations which may not necessarily be keen to the way we use the scripture is also a challenge.
0: So how, are, how is the diocese responding to some of these challenges? Uh,
1: it's a way of... Uh, Uh, preaching the full gospel. Mm. Maybe that's the way I would look at it and trying to provide avenues in in which case the exposition of the scripture will be looked uh, from the texts as they are and with clergy who are learned in uh, Hebrew and Greek Uh, and therefore they will be able to counteract any false teaching or doctrine that may be be spoken by a particular brand of a Pentecostal movement uh, within the area. We also have the cultural issues uh, which give an ugly head from time to time. Uh, And therefore, it is a case of uh, challenging the communities, uh, repugnant uh, cultural practices, We do not need to have them uh, with us in this modern age. We continue to fight against uh, uh, female genital mutilation,
0: Mm. uh,
1: the oppression of uh, women, and acknowledging that every human being is created in the image and likeness of God, Mm. and so gender parity Mm. is a concern. So these are some of the challenges, the provision of services by the government in their own time within the boundaries of our diocese. As I cited earlier on about roads, about electricity, about water, about what a school may require in order for the learners in such a school uh, to excel. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the urban areas, you look into environmental issues. Mm -hmm. I am also keen on uh, climate change. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so these are some of the challenges that uh, we face uh, within the diocese. Mm -hmm. But yet at the same time, there are opportunities uh, for ministry. So every challenge becomes an opportunity for us to proclaim the gospel message. Mm -hmm. If it is repugnant cultural practices, we speak on why we are Christians and why our DNA has changed because of the work of Christ on the cross. Mm -hmm. If it is the place of education and encouraging the parents, it is emphasizing that uh, our generations will depend on what our sons and daughters are able to do and how they fare in their education life will determine the quality of life uh, that we shall have. So it's being pragmatic in approach to these challenges and getting uh, something out of every situation. Mm. That, that's the way I look at
0: it. Yeah, I love that focus on Christ. Yes. That, thank you so much for that. We, as we, we're coming to the end now of the podcast, uh, we need to just go to our last few questions. This one is a very important question, though, I don't want to miss it. As you think about people around the world who are listening, uh, people, from other countries outside Africa and also people from other countries within Africa outside of Kenya. What can you share, what do you want them to know about the church in Kenya? What do you want them to know about um, the Anglican Church of Kenya? Uh, what, what can those listeners learn from the Anglican Church of Kenya? What are some of your strengths as a church? Well, okay, Thank you very much.
1: Uh, it is hard to speak about the whole Anglican Church because uh, over forty dioceses. Mm-hmm. So crazy. there is something to learn here to the world, and there is something here the world can learn uh, from us. As far as Dika is concerned, uh, allow me to say that we have had a focus on the Scripture and the orthodox interpretation of the scripture, uh, that has kept us going. Mm. It doesn't mean that we are not aware of the changes within the human society, but uh, we have laid an emphasis on orthodoxy to scripture. Mm. That is one. At the same time, the impact of the East African revival Mm within the communities that are resident in our diocese is equally important that our faith and morality is shaped by the place of the cross and the blood of Christ. And this has translated to the expansion of the church within the African continent and so much in East Africa that when someone comes to the Lord, as the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter five, one is a new creation. Mm. So it gives you an opportunity to testify about your faith. And so church growth in the context of evangelization is still happening because of our own understanding that when you become a new creation, then there are things you've got to leave doing because you are now a new creation. Our attention also to climate change is a way in which we can contribute to the worldwide church. On my part, I developed what I call the Bishop's Award for clergy and parishes who are doing their best in terms of the environment, conservation. Mm -hmm. We planted trees on all occasions, be it a funeral, be it a baptism, be it a confirmation service, be it an occasion where the bishop is visiting a community. Tree planting Mm -hmm. is the second gospel as far as climate Mm -hmm. is involved. So there is an an emphasis on doing the best that we can for the climate. Mm -hmm. We are also keen to challenging the life of the community in light of how we perceive the scriptures would desire us to be. I know this is hard in some contexts in North America, but uh, the place of the scripture to speaking to human situations, Mm. we we are keen on that. At the same time, uh, the engagement with the civic authorities, Mm. it doesn't give us a superior, a way of looking into what is happening in the nation, but it gives us an opportunity in which we can interact. So these are some of the lessons. We are involved in church planting, Mm -hmm. and so the evangelization is happening, and we thank God that uh, these are some of the
0: lessons that we can actually share with the world. I would love to go deeper into all of those things, but we don't have time, but I do want to go deeper into just one. Uh, Tell us more about the initiative to care for God's creation. So you mentioned encouraging churches to do tree planting. Are there some other avenues within that focus?
1: Yeah, we, we yeah, thank you, Anthony. We realize that some of our churches, which were constructed uh, years ago, they used asbestos. Okay. So it's a case of encouraging the churches to dispose the asbestos mm. and put up new roofs. It's an expensive experience uh, A in the sense that uh, you have to dispose the asbestos because of the carcinogenic mm. uh, element in them. The other way is how can we care for the environment around us to the extent that the construction of churches become eco-friendly. Mm. So that's another way. It's a case also of encouraging parish councils and clergy to have key thematic areas that touches on the environment in the course of well, their meetings and practice. So we have written paperworks uh, for us as a diocese on what we need to do for the environment, and our governance organs are keen to also check how is the adherence mm. uh, to environmental cons- conservation is mm. concerned. We continue to encourage again is the pollution mm. of uh, rivers and uh, water uh, basins. Uh, at one time I did encourage the clergy to collect the electronic waste for proper disposal, mm. linking up with institutions and organizations which are capable of disposing uh, electronic waste. Mm. So this is in waste management. Yeah.
0: So this is part of what we are doing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for all the good ministry that you're doing. I see that you have not just the heart of a bishop, a shepherd, but also, the heart of evangelism and preaching the gospel and encouraging your Christians in that area. Thank you so much. Um, let's, let's come now to the final question. Um, how can those who are listening pray for you personally? And then how can they pray for your diocese? And that will be it. And any, any other last word you want to share, you can also share. Thank you.
1: As a person in the office of bishop, As we always pray every Sunday for the bishops or the pastors of the church, it's a case of a prayer for more enlightenment and discernment so that we are able to carry out our mission and vocation so that the Lord will reveal to us in ways and means in which we can be able to touch the people that we minister, the ways and means in which the gospel can be proclaimed and for us giving that a sacred space, an opportunity to be picked up by those around us. As far as the diocese is concerned, there is a greater need for more church plants. This requires both human and financial capital so that the Lord can raise men and women who will go with us. And the men and women can also have the requisite resources to accompany the great mission that the Lord is calling us into. Uh, And and lastly, is a prayer for our people to continue having the the same zeal to support the ministry within the diocese. Uh, These are the three areas in which I will look into as far as prayer is concerned. Mm -hmm. Uh, For those in North America, we want to express our love and appreciation for moments of opportunity and interaction which we have had, be it in terms of resource, both human and capital, and an opportunity to learn from one another both in terms of our life as bishop or in development work, as it may happen like in Wow Renew, the Resonate, or other agencies that are supported by the church. And to also reassure them that what they see written and what they watch perhaps recorded is very authentic to the great commission in which the Lord has called them and us here in Africa and in North America. And it's a case of living faithful to our calling and vocations, both lay or as ordained in our distinct roles
0: as the children of God. Thank you. Thank you, Bishop. This has been a wonderful conversation. and. I know that the listeners will pray for you. I will also commit to pray for you. Thank you so much for this time. Thank you, thank you, thank you.